Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring this podcast. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System, you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. At hundreds of locations across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE system technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unifydhealing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system. Gamble On, the weekly gambling podcast presented by usbets.com. I'm Eric Raskin, U.S. Bets Managing Editor and Media Director, and I'm joined by our senior analyst, Pulitzer Prize finalist, John Brennan. Last week, I said that maybe somewhere down the road during a slow week, we should try to guess how the sports betting states will rank in December 2021. Well, I proved to be a very impatient gambling industry journalist <laughs> as I waited all of three business days before taking this podcast conversation idea and making an article out of it. Uh, but that doesn't mean we can't uh, have a podcast conversation also. So, John, uh, the rankings compiled by polling eight members of the U.S. Bets staff came out as Pennsylvania, New Jersey, Nevada, Illinois, Michigan, Colorado. Anything there surprise you? And do you have an outside-the-top-six dark horse worth watching? Uh, well, Eric, I had Illinois ahead of my native New Jersey for second place, so I feel good about possibly being objective there. So uh, I also noted that Pennsylvania, having both Philadelphia and Pittsburgh on the opposite ends of a 275-mile state, uh, is an edge over Illinois. And uh, I'll note that that mileage is – I know it because uh, I've driven across it uh, – including once in my fire engine red 1994 Mazda MX-6 with a spoiler and black leather seats and a sunroof and a 10-CD changer before most cars even had a 1-CD changer. <laughs> and I spent more than four hours on highway without ever touching the gas or the brake, thanks to newfangled cruise control. But, uh, okay, back to 2020 and my, right. uh, my reminiscence there. Uh, glory days. Um the Nevada ranking is high, I think, if we have some pandemic setbacks. Uh, but I'm glad that many of my colleagues are kind of bullish on life, I guess. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> um, yeah, Nevada, that's a big X factor kind of state based on uh, what's happening with tourism uh, a year and a half from now. A few people on the staff are very high on Virginia, but... It's tough mm. to put a state that mm. hasn't launched yet too high up on your list. Uh, but I, I think the December 2022 list would look pretty different. You know, Illinois might have a shot at number one. Michigan or, or Virginia could be top three. Uh, it was interesting to me how many people believe your uh, your New Jersey will hold mm. on to the top spot for another mm. 18 months, even though uh, you don't. Uh, but 
anyway, it's uh, as you said there, uh, looking back to uh, to your days driving across the state in the 90s, it's it's <laughs> it's fun to either look back to the old normal or uh, in the case of this uh, article, ahead to some future normal. Anything to take our minds away from our current 2020 normal for a few minutes, right? Yeah, I think Virginia. I mean, it's close to Redskin territory, you know, for NFL, I guess. But I don't I don't, I don't feel like Virginians are gamblers, big gamblers, you know, it's a good sized state. So they got that going for them. But even if they ever get their act together and legalize and, 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 uh, regulate, I, I don't see that one at all. All right. Well, we'll we'll have time to uh, see how accurate we are or aren't uh, as things move along here. But uh, let's stay in the present moment and uh, say thank you to everyone for joining us for episode number 97 of Gamble On, just three away from triple digits. Uh, if you missed any of our previous 96 episodes, they're all available on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and Spotify. Please subscribe if you haven't already and support the show by giving us a five-star rating. Yeah, and coming up a little later in the show, we'll be joined by Dr. Harris Cohen. Uh, he's going to lend his medical expertise as it pertains to the return of major sports amid the coronavirus. That's all we're talking about these days anyway. Yep. Um, we'll ask him about MLB, the NFL, PGA Tour, the NBA, NHL, the bubble concepts, all that stuff. But first, it's been a, I'll say, semi-busy news week in the world of gambling. So let's get to it. Here's your Gamble On News of the Week, an inside look at the biggest stories in the world of gambling. been betting the no for California sports betting in 2020 or 2021, cash your ticket as SCA 6, which would have legalized retail and mobile sports betting in the Golden State, was withdrawn on Monday. And the next time a sports betting bill can be put in front of the public as a ballot measure is in November 2022. Uh, Even when some encouraging signs emerged over the last few weeks, there still was the constant concern that the Indian tribes in California did not support the bill and were not consulted about its contents. And the lack of support from the tribes was the reason state Senator Bill Dodd gave for pulling the bill. Quote, it remains important that we lift this widespread practice out of the shadows to make it safer and to generate money for the people of California. I will continue to be engaged in the issue as we work toward 2022. That's what Dodd said. Uh, There were some who thought maybe the pandemic would bring about compromise, but nope, another effort to bring legal sports betting to California has stalled out. So bad news for Californians, good news for Las Vegas sports books. John, thoughts on this week's developments, and do you want to set odds now on 2022? Uh, no, no, <laughs> no. <laughs> We're almost two years into me saying that no mobile sports betting in New York, no in-person betting within 100 miles of New York City, no California sports betting, no Florida sports betting, no Texas sports betting. Nothing has changed. Not, 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 not happening. You know, if we were stock each week, I'd say buy with only the rare old week, but never sell. Just buy. So, you know, if someone wants to complain about the dominance of California tribal casinos and sports betting issues, uh, that's fine. You know, that's debatable. But uh it doesn't matter in the end. You know, I, I tend to find myself more interested in what the underground reality is. And the reality is that uh, without the tribe's consent, there's going to be no California sports betting, period. Yeah. The only way it ever changes is like the development of a like an externality, I guess you'd call it, whatever that might be. Uh, that would bring the tribes to the bargaining table with a legislature maybe willing to split the pot, basically. But I don't even see that happening. So no, no, no. 
Yeah, well, you've certainly been consistent. We've got to say that for you, John. Uh, when we had Victor Rocha on about a month ago, he, he said the tribe interests and the commercial casinos interests were just nowhere close to aligned. And he basically told us to expect this outcome, as you've been saying. Uh, the question for California's chances down the road is how short the memory will be about coronavirus. Like, let's say a vaccine arrives in the first quarter of 2021 and life is more or less back to normal a year from now. Uh, Then a year after that, will people have forgotten the lessons of the pandemic and have forgotten how helpful revenue from online sports betting and other online gaming can be the next time a virus comes along? Um, Or on the other hand, will state funds be so decimated even after COVID is over that they're desperate to legalize more gaming. I don't know, but that's like the one thing that could maybe open the door to some urgency in California in 2022. You know, we we see the pandemic having some impact on legalization in some states now. Uh, So, you know, what will the longer term impact be? You talked about an externality. Maybe, Maybe that's it. But then again, maybe it just doesn't even matter in California that the tribes in the state are just never, well, I shouldn't say never, but not for a long time going to be able to work out something that's satisfactory to everyone. Yeah, I want to throw a shout out to Washington State as well, which is not going to have a sports betting this year either. Right. Another tribal complication. Um, you know, they're looking at a similar business model to New York, which is to make sure that there's no legal sports betting anywhere near where most of the people live You know, in the state. That's a, it's a fascinating business model. Um, <laughs> I tell you, illegal operators have to be loving life these days, especially if they were worried that the 2018 Supreme Court ruling allowing for sports betting in any state would cut into their business. And I say cut into because bookies in the offshore sports books are never going to disappear. Um, um, for various reasons, but their bottom lines could have been, but won't be undercut anytime soon with all these uh, state decisions. Yeah, you look at the you look at the West Coast. It's uh, you know Washington, uh, Oregon, California, all up and up and down the Pacific. There, they, uh, two of the states you know quote unquote have sports betting, but nobody's doing it anywhere close to right. And uh, Nevada is uh, is not really under any threat of losing that uh, that coastal tourism at the moment. Yeah, and it's a rare uh, state these days of bipartisan confusion because there are plenty of uh, left-wing and right-wing states in the western part of the United States that get their act together. Yep. All right. Well, uh, while California waits at least two more years, seems like uh, you think it'll be much more than that. Uh, some states waiting for different forms of sports betting just ended. Uh, let's start in Illinois, where online slash mobile sports betting went live last Thursday with the launch of the Bet Rivers virtual sports book. It wasn't supposed to happen this soon, but Governor J.B. Pritzker fast tracked it with an executive order suspending the need for in-person registration. And now Illinois is the 12th state or district with online wagering. FanDuel and DraftKings uh, are reportedly both working on aligning with land-based casinos or tracks in the state so they can launch sooner rather than later and give BetRivers some competition. Meanwhile, in Michigan, online sports betting is still a ways off, but brick-and-mortar betting returned on Monday when Firekeeper's Casino in Battle Creek cut the ribbon on its sports book. A few sports books had opened in March, only to quickly close, so after a three-month hiatus, legal sports wagering is back. It comes at a bad time in Michigan, though, as the major team sports aren't active, and when they get active again... The Pistons won't be part of the NBA's resumption plan. The Red Wings won't be part of the NHL's plan. And the Tigers might just be the worst team in baseball. Uh, Still, this is good news for golf and combat sports bettors near Battle Creek, I suppose. Uh, John, do you think online betting will follow in Michigan before the end of the year? And any guesses on whether FanDuel and DraftKings will find a loophole in Illinois? 
Yeah, I think end of the year in Michigan has seemed to me like an even money bet. That's a good uh, uh, target. Um, but as one of those good sports fanatic states, I think the general awfulness of their sports teams that you mentioned leads me toward no. You know, fealty to the local teams is a religion in the Midwest in every state, uh, including among lawmakers. So the lack of, you know, actually having, uh, you know, games to root for and, and you know, uh, flags to wave and uh, laundry to salute <laughs> among lawmakers <laughs> is probably going to kind of dull their sense a little bit. Um, but I like FanDuel and DraftKings chances in Illinois. Um, you know, states are trying to be more more cautious and restarting economic activity, you know, which is complicated, of course, there's uh, pros and cons to it, uh, clearly, you know, profoundly. Um, it seems like the more fertile ground for concessions like this, where states need to get revenue from somewhere. So if you're going to be more cautious in opening small business, let's say, and you know, that's that's an economic issue uh, tax-wise, uh, you're looking elsewhere for, for funds. So I think Illinois is, is going to move forward. And, and FanDuel and DraftKings are obviously, you know, they have great lobbyists and uh, uh, you know, good, good for them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, uh, you put it at 50, 50 for Michigan th- this year. Um, I kind of lean toward it taking until the first quarter of 2021, mm. if I had to guess. Um, mm. Although it's clear that Brant Iden and company are trying there, but uh, yeah, the, the reason you point out that the, without the teams being all that good, there's that much less urgency unless, you know, the Detroit lions shock us by uh, being, a, <laughs> a, you know, a, a top team or, Maybe does college football, if there is college football, um, you know, get light, light a fire to to get it done this year. I don't know, but I, I would still take early 2021 on that. Um, the FanDuel DraftKings thing, uh, that was the deciding factor for a lot of our staff on where they placed Illinois in those 2021 rankings. You know, if FanDuel and or DraftKings get rolling this year, then Illinois, which is basically neck and neck with Pennsylvania for the largest population among the states in the conversation would have a real shot at being number one sometime in 2021. Uh, Although even if it takes longer for FanDuel and DraftKings, like let's say they were to launch in mid 2021, that might still give them enough time to to boost Illinois toward the top. But certainly for as long as it's only bet rivers in the state, Illinois is going to linger in terms of uh, handle, you know, linger somewhere in that Indiana range, I would think. Yeah, I agree with that. All right, for our final story, let's talk about land-based casinos. The big news dropped Wednesday afternoon when Caesars, which has properties in 13 states, announced a universal mask-wearing policy for all patrons when not eating or drinking. The release stated that, quote, anyone who refuses to wear a mask after being asked will be directed to leave the property. In somewhat related news, New Jersey Governor Phil Murphy announced this week that July 2nd, will be the official reopening date for Atlantic City casinos, including Caesars' multiple properties there. Although, interestingly, Borgata has chosen to wait until after July 4th weekend to open back up. And in neighboring Pennsylvania, six of the 12 casinos are currently open, and the rest become eligible to reopen when their counties go green on Friday. Although a Philadelphia city ordinance overruling that means Rivers Philadelphia will have to wait a little while longer. Uh, As of last check on Wednesday afternoon, 778 of 989 casinos in America are back open. 
I suspect after that number goes up a bit higher, it will soon start coming back down. Uh, But for now, what stands out to you, John, among the news from Caesars, Atlantic City, and Pennsylvania? Well, I think first that Caesars is creating a big market in Las Vegas for locals and the visitors who really want to return to the casinos. But they're kind of terrified of the maskless, near like mosh pits uh, vibe (laughs) at some of the casinos on the Strip. Um, uh, Any of us in the Northeast who see those photos of Las Vegas are, are definitely terrified. So yeah. if we're if we're, if we're flying out there, we're not going to a uh, a massive casino. So uh, Caesars has that thing going for it. But um, as for Borgata, you know, I can see that they are exploiting their high roller whale advantage as the AC market leader. So I expect very fancy VIP service July Fourth weekend for the one percent of the one percent. So mm. you and I aren't going to be invited there, but uh, <laughs> the, the the key people will be there. And trust me, they'll make a lot of money that weekend. Don't worry about that. Um, I'm mildly surprised that the Rivers Philly ordinance. Um, caution is difficult to argue with these days, as I've said. Um, but many of the most devoted constituents of those elected officials likely are in very distressed financial times. And right. as I said before, I, I'm glad I don't have to cast an impossible vote on safety versus economy. It's just brutal. Yeah. Oh, I'm uh, I'm deeply offended that you assume I'm not part of the one percent of the one percent. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, you know, I guess I, I haven't received my invitation to Borgata there yet, you go. Uh, but I'm keeping an eye out for it. That's your um, answer right there. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, so I saw uh, Andy Slavitt noting on Twitter last night that Nevada already has the highest COVID transmission rate in the country, and that, uh, in his view, travel from Nevada to other states at this point should require a 14-day quarantine. So uh, yeah. Opening Las Vegas without a mask requirement clearly isn't going well. Uh, and, I, and I saw that Governor Sisolak actually just, I think it was on Wednesday, uh, mm-hmm. announced that it was going to be mandatory in casinos to, to wear a mask. Um, but, mm-hmm. but you know, he didn't at first. For the first few weeks, uh, the that varied from casino to casino. And look, the, the mask requirement doesn't remove all danger. Uh, you're still taking a chance when you go to a casino, mm-hmm. you know, indoors, mm-hmm. recycled air, etc. But if both parties in a conversation are wearing masks, you reduce the chance of spread to where if you are not in a high risk health group and you're not going to be around people in a high risk health group, I'd say it's it's not an irresponsible choice to go gamble under those circumstances. And, you know, this should be a national law right now. Uh, If you're anywhere indoors other than your house, you wear a mask. Uh, I I would like to see that be a national law. But, you know, good for Caesars, at least for enacting their own law. Uh, Otherwise, these casinos aren't going to stay open for long. Meanwhile, um, I'm planning to go to parks Monday morning to report on their Mm -hmm. reopening. And uh, I was just joking in our Slack thread when uh, uh, about that I was going to put on a full hazmat suit. Uh, Won't go that far. But this is definitely a case where. I'm going to snap a few pictures, get in and out quickly, and if I interview patrons, they'll be wearing a mask and uh, I'll be standing at a distance. Or I was thinking I might even try to do my interviews with people standing in line outside before the doors open. Maybe that's the way to go since, uh, you know, I'm I'm not prepared to die for my job, John. Yeah, I was in... uh, uh the Connecticut casinos, the Foxwoods and Megan Sun about three weeks ago. And uh, I got in and out in 15 minutes each. I didn't talk to anybody. I mean, like I, I got good photos and I got one viral photo of the, the craps tables at uh, Foxwoods uh, with the, uh, the, the plexiglass, you know, it fascinates people. But, um, you know, I, I got the job done without getting too crazy. 
Right. Yeah, I, I, I am going to try to interview someone just because some of the highlights of some of these stories have been some of the crazy quotes uh, from, from the people who, who like are dropping everything to go to the casinos. But uh, mm-hmm. yeah, uh, it's uh, it's it's a risk for sure. I'm going to hope hopefully my uh, recording on my phone can capture them from a few feet away. Yeah, I don't trust people who are willing to talk to me. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good policy, or, or I suppose. Or talk to anybody, really. Like, right. wait, why don't we just not talk? We have a mask. <laughs> we get in, we get out, we do our stuff. We don't speak. It's just, right. just better to me. <laughs> I know it's rare coming from me, but that's true. Right. Under these circumstances, yeah, not a bad attitude. It's time to welcome a special guest from the world of gambling. Let's get to the Gamble On interview. talked on the podcast in recent weeks about how sports have been creeping back with the return of golf, UFC, and so forth, but sports won't really be back, and sports betting won't return to previous levels again until one or more of the major team sports returns, and the past week or so of COVID case numbers hasn't been very encouraging on that front. Joining us now on the podcast is someone with expertise on the health side of things, a physician at Hatboro Medical Associates in Hatboro, Pennsylvania, Dr. Harris Cohen. Harris has garnered attention since the pandemic began with his frequent Facebook Live videos and posts to answer people's questions, and now he's here to answer ours. Harris, welcome to Gamble On. Hey, thanks for having me. Nice to, nice to see you guys. So you made a prediction in a post on Sunday that you don't believe any of the American team sports will return in 2020. I hope you're wrong, uh, but the news over the past week or so has made me accept that you might be right. Let me start by asking specifically about baseball, which, especially now that the difficult labor negotiations are complete, seems the easiest to pull off because it's played outdoors and it's a minimal contact sport. Why don't you believe baseball can be played safely? And would you say if only one of the four major team sports happens, baseball would be the most likely one? Yeah, it's a great question. Baseball definitely lends itself most to a return. Obviously, it's outdoors. You know, football's outdoors as well, obviously, not played in an arena. Uh, players are naturally spread out unless they're on the base pads or in the dugout or in the locker room. So obviously you have a lot of, lot of territory. And I was hopeful. I mean, the labor negotiations aside, which are now behind us as of today, actually, the timing is excellent. Um, I, I was hopeful to get back to a season. We've seen news in the past couple of weeks out of the, the Phillies camp, out of the San Francisco Giants camp. And today there's news about Charlie Blackman out in Colorado testing positive. So we're going to see positive test results coming back the more we test. And these guys are athletes. They're healthy. And if they weren't tested, we wouldn't know they were positive because most likely they're going to stay asymptomatic and never show signs of the disease and go out and play baseball and have a great season. The concerns are not necessarily these guys getting positive testing, but the people they're interacting with. So the the traveling secretary for the team, the owner of the team coming down to say hello to the players. And these guys have to go home. They're not going to be in a bubble. They're going to be with family members, maybe some immunocompromised people, maybe their in-laws who they don't like anyway and want to infect. But these people are, you know, putting <laughs> others at risk unknowingly. And if we tested all three of us, you know, one of us might come back positive. Yeah, that's the scary thing. There's a lot of asymptomatic stuff here. So, you know, baseball definitely, to answer your question, I mean, baseball lends itself most beautifully to, to the return just based on real estate and outdoors. But how are they going to deal with positive testing? How is it going to be when a superstar tests positive versus the ninth string or the you know the backup second baseman? Uh, and then what do you do as far as contact tracing? So you know Charlie Blackman tests positive. Are you taking out the whole team now for 14 days? 
Or if a star tests positive, do you want to play that game? Are you going to play that game under protest? I mean, I don't care if it's the third, you know, the, the, the bullpen catcher. You know, he's a nice guy, but it's not going to affect the outcome of the game. And from your angle, the betting aspects of the game are going to be really tough to, to ascertain because you're going to have people sitting out. As of that day, they might test positive. They're out that night. You might have laid your wager, and oops, that just that really changes the outcome. Yeah, that's, that's a good point, that the sports better more than ever uh, is going to be waiting until the last minute, I think, in terms of watching the injury reports, or in, in this case, virus reports, uh, before making their wager, if, if they're uh, trying to be as smart as possible about it. Exactly. Yeah, I'm, I'm kind of curious about the PGA Tour. You know, I watch it pretty closely every week, and uh, I noticed last weekend the, the players and caddies are riding the same uh, uh, golf cart together um, without mess, which is, you know, it's a brief encounter. It's not, you know, a disaster, but it's a little curious. And um, uh, Nick, Nick Watney, who's a veteran player, been on the tour for more than a dozen years, um, he, he says has some symptoms on Friday morning in the second round, and he shows up at the, at the golf course anyway. He walks around. He talks to Rory McIlroy on the practice uh, green, and uh, he's on the practice tee and, and talking to other players. And about a dozen of them have tested negative, fortunately, but um, doesn't look like the tour is treating it that seriously. I'm curious about what you think about that tour as opposed to team sports where, you know, they don't play every week anyway. So if even a star player, if he tests positive, and again, he's probably not going to be, you know, uh, severely impacted, but he, he quarantines for two weeks. He maybe skips two tournaments that he wouldn't have skipped, but he, he can change his schedule. And it's not a big impact. So um, I guess, A, how, can, how well can golf handle, you know, the, the, the brief positive tests? And B, are they taking it seriously yet? Yeah, I mean, golf really sets up beautifully for a return. There's, there's no sport that has more real estate than, than golf. And you, you, it's so these guys, you know, when you're outside, that's the best place to be, not close contact. You know, should the caddies be riding with their player? No, that doesn't make any sense. Why, why do that? There's a lot of money on the tour. There's a lot of money at stake here. Give, give the caddy his own card. Let the caddy walk. That's what caddies do. But, you know, the responsibility really falls on the player. If you're not feeling – and, again, a lot of people are asymptomatic with this, but, you know, Nick not feeling well, you can't show up. We're, we're living in a pandemic, and you, you just you, you can't be selfish, and you can't really account for what others are going to do on any given day. So, again, testing – Shows a lot of asymptomatic, but if you're symptomatic, you have to stay home. It may not be COVID-19. It may be a little sniffle, maybe allergies, but you're jeopardizing a lot of people. And you just said, you know, he talks to Rory McIlroy. Rory goes to talk to Ricky Fowler. You know, Fowler talks, and then it becomes, what do you do with all these guys who just interacted with Watney? Do you keep them all home? Do you say, and this is the star power of the tour. And again, most of these guys these days are great athletes. They're, they're, they're muscular, they're skinny. This is not the days of Craig Statler and, you know, the, the big fat guy playing golf, smoking the cigar. These guys are really, you know, trim and conditioned athletes who are probably going to do okay even if infected. But the players have to play ball. You can't show up sick. And really, just keep taking precautions. Even though you're outside, don't put two people on a cart. Send eight carts out. We don't care what difference does it make. There's no fans there anyway. But golf really is the one sport that can come back easiest if everybody follows that small little playbook they have as opposed to what basketball and the NFL and hockey are going to have, 80 to 90-page books. Golf is the easiest, but you got to play ball. Right. Well, we talked so far about two outdoor sports, baseball and golf, uh, that don't seem to be doing any sort of a, a bubble concept. Uh, but then the indoor sports like that you just mentioned, uh, a couple of them are talking about this bubble concept. And it, it sounds good in theory, the way that uh, the NHL and NBA are aiming to implement it. You wrote in your recent post, though, that 
these young athletes want to live their lives and will be hard to keep in a bubble. Uh, my counterpoint would be that if it's just for two months or less, if their team gets eliminated, they can be financially incentivized to behave. Do you disagree with that? Uh, and if you were Adam Silver, would you be pivoting away from Orlando right now, believing the season can happen, just maybe not in that city in that state? Yeah, I mean, the bubble idea makes wonderful sense if you can actually keep a bubble. So we've seen this with a lot of the overnight camp discussions over summertime, keeping these kids at camp in a bubble. There's just too many variables. These guys are wealthy and they're young and they have, you know, they've, they're, they're, they live a life of carte blanche and they're used to partying and having girlfriends and spouses, multiple of each in every city. <laughs> and, you know, the ideal situation is, yeah, you plunk down, you know, the, the 22 teams, whatever the numbers are in Orlando, you choose three hotels, you have one or two arenas that you use. And these guys play the game, they go back to the hotel, shower, hop on their iPads, and they go back and play their game the next day. I just don't think you could account for behaviors of a 24, 25, 26 multi-gazillionaire who is entitled to begin with, playing by those rules. It's a perfect world. And then you mentioned Orlando. Florida is surging right now. Again, tons of positive tests, but they're also testing a lot more. So, you know, we have to balance that information out. But, you know, do you choose Omaha, Nebraska? Do you choose Helena, Montana? You know, these guys aren't going to want to go there. Adam Silver can say, look, you want to make your dough this year. We're going to Cheyenne, Wyoming, and you're going to play at this. You know, we're going to play at a rodeo hall. But, you know, maybe they can pivot to an outdoor playing space, you know, you know, a la, you know, old time, you know, peach basket basketball where they used to play outdoors. Um, you know, it, it's a commitment for the players. It's a commitment from management. It's a commitment from the owners and a commitment from the commissioner. These guys can say, look, for two months, I'm going to suck it up. I'm going to make my 30 million bucks. I'm going to go back to my hotel every day. I'm going to play Fortnite with my buddies on my Nintendo Switch. And I'm not going to party, take my paycheck, maybe make the playoffs and put a ring on my finger. That'll be fantastic. But what happens when your buddy sneaks out, you know, your, your, your third string point guard goes out to a bar and comes back and infects the whole team and the whole team gets shut down. How do you take that into account? And again, the star power is important. LeBron goes down is one thing, you know, how do, how do those games count when your star player goes down? So there's, there's too many variables. Humans are humans. We are prone to make mistakes and we are prone to follow our gut instincts and just sit in a hotel playing ball for two months. For me, and you guys would be fine. Hey, we could take home 10 million bucks to play basketball. <laughs> I'd sit in a hotel 24 seven. I'm totally fine with that. Uh, these guys are not used to that lifestyle. Right. And it's interesting. You mentioned the, the you know, the Helena Montana type of places that maybe the move, uh, as you were describing all those things that are going to lure a, uh, a wealthy young player uh, outside the bubble, maybe you go to the most boring city you can think of just to increase the chances that you can keep these guys in their hotel rooms. No offense to Montana. Right, of course not. Right. <laughs> For all of your Montana listeners. <laughs> well, I can tell you that uh, in the mid-1990s, um, uh, Butch Beard uh, was a Nets coach, and uh, he had the team training camp uh, preseason in Kutztown, Pennsylvania, Amish country. Uh, they were kind of bored, I got to tell you. But that was, that was really the point because, um, you know, the, the Nets had – trained in Princeton at one point and uh, a couple of players I won't name uh, would go down to Atlantic city, you know, to uh, have a good time uh, between days. And uh, uh, that was a problem. And then eventually a new, new coach came in and he put the training to John Calipari in Atlantic city, which was interesting because uh, <laughs> there, yeah. there was a, there was a porn convention that same weekend, which you know, that <laughs> didn't really 
work well. But uh, it goes to your point. But I'm going to switch to the NFL. And, uh, you know, one of the things our subscribers know is I've been mentioning, I noticed in the beginning of April that every two weeks or so, 15 days, you want to call it, um, our understanding of all this craziness is really changing. And one 15-day period, it gets better, and it gets worse, it gets better, it gets worse, but it really changes. And so based on that, um, you know, all your science and, and uh, analysis is uh, frustrating me because I don't want you to be right, but uh, I understand <laughs> what you're saying. Uh, but um, trying to stretch this out, you know, for another six weeks or so, if things go really well, and it's not going to go well probably in the next uh, 15 days, but maybe in 60 days it does, you know, trying to push you on the other end, what's the possibility that, you know, the NFL, college football is even more problematic, I think, with the, with the fans and the tailgating and all that, but um, what are the possibilities that the NFL can actually play their game starting in, you know, second week of September um, based on, again, we're, we're not guaranteed, you know, great results for two months, but, but it, it's possible. So what do you think is the, is the chance of that, you know, 5%, 10%, 50%? Yeah, I mean, I think the NFL has, is, the, is the one major sport that has a luxury of time. I mean, they're going to be the latest to start. And conceivably, the NFL could start even later than normal and still, you know, extend their season a little bit. It's, it's, it's the biggest money man. Well, you guys would know. I'm sure it's the biggest money-making sport. Uh, we're talking billions and billions of dollars. So the, 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 it's, it's a higher-risk gamble on, what, on whether to make this season happen or not. But, you know, again, with each two weeks, as you mentioned, every two-week increment, we're learning more about this disease. Uh, our treatment and supportive care has gotten better. We're getting closer to that vaccine, which we think might end this once and for all. But it, it's the same challenge. You know, you are outside, a lot of contact in football. It's not passed through sweat. It's not passed through blood. That, that's not the risk. But, you know, one thing I could see happening is, you know, mandatory face shields on their helmets. That would really cut down. You know, you, these guys can't wear masks. They're, they're too athletic and there's way too much, you know, heat and, and contact. But mm -hmm. put everybody in those cool face shields that the, the, the young guys used to, you know, like he, he used to wear with that, you know, the, the, the black shield on his helmet. That'll really cut down transmission. I mean, this is a disease of repetitive contact, closed spaces, and high viral load super spreading events. So football has a benefit of being outdoors. Football has the benefit of, you know, they're playing weekly, not every day. Football has the benefit of having a ton of money to really sink mm. into this. But it, there's still that star power issue. Ezekiel Elliott gets it, and the third, you know, the left guard, you know, gets it. You know, what's the bigger deal, you know, with, with those two guys? Uh, we do have time. We do have time to get closer to treatment. We're going to probably have treatment before we have vaccine. Uh, and it's going to be calculated risk. The players are going to have to sign on. There's going to be a waiver where they're saying, look, I know there's a risk of me getting this disease, but I'm going to play. My concern is the positive tests and the contact tracing. And at what point do you shut down teams or players or the whole offensive line? And then you can't play a game. And then the whole schedule's lopsided at that point. So vaccines, the Holy grail. I think there are ways to do things before we get to vaccine. I think simple things like face shields, patient education, bubbling them up as much as possible. Uh, obviously no fans, which really takes away from the game, I think. Um, but we're all clamoring for, for product. We all need major sports. I mean, UFC and check ping pong, you know, no offense, <laughs> but we need, we need, we need major sports. And I think it would be a panacea for this country because we're all struggling right now mentally and major sports really bring us together. And, you know, from the gambling side, you know, it, it's, it, it adds some normalcy to people's lives and just watching your home team play. So like you guys, I don't want to sound pessimistic. I'm just bringing the scientific side and trying to think if this were my son playing or me playing, what would I think? 
Uh, I think football has the best opportunity based on time frame and money to maybe make a go of this. So I'm as hopeful as you guys are, but I'm still on the pessimistic side for major sports in 2020. Yeah, and last thing then, I, I think you're uh, you're giving the NFL uh, a chance um, to be able to make it in some ways, adjustments as you note, but uh, you don't picture fans in the stands on Thanksgiving Day, for instance. I would love nothing more. I mean, sports without fans, is it, it, it's, it's a different flavor. And you saw what South Korea tried to do with, with sex dolls and piped in noise. And <laughs> it, it, it's just not the same. I mean, selfishly, I want to have it on my TV. Uh, I love going to sports games like you guys do. The live experience, there's nothing like it. We have Some of our best memories in life, probably if we sat and talked for a while after this, are at live sports events. And it's just a part of humanity to be there. So you can't put 60,000 people together yet. I think, again, that's where vaccine comes into play. Or if you could tell me that there's effective treatment, if you could tell me, God forbid, I get this from the idiot next to me who's been spitting on me all game, and I know that I can just get a squirt of something and do okay, I might take that risk. I don't want my parents doing it. I don't want my elderly uncle doing it. You know, I don't want my friend who's on chronic steroids going to that game, but I think a self-selected crowd of healthy people are probably going to do okay. Uh, again, it's all calculated risk. I mean, the drive down to a game last year, you have a risk of getting, you know, blindsided on your way down and getting killed in your, on the car ride to the football game. So it's a matter of, you know, are the three of us healthy enough to go? Probably. Should our parents or grandparents go? Probably not, but nothing's better than live sports. And I just think we're going to miss something if those stands are empty, but it's way better than having an empty television. Absolutely. All right. Well, it's been uh, great talking to you, uh, Harris. Uh, I believe, uh, you know, 97 episodes into the podcast here, I believe you made the first he hate me reference uh, that, that we've heard yet. So that was a nice little throwback. Um, this has really been a lot of fun uh, and very informative. So thanks so much for coming on and uh, stay safe and healthy. You guys too, gentlemen. Have a great day. Two men, $10,000. Will they run it up or blow it all? It's time to check in on the Gamble On bankroll. Well, we followed up a 2-0 week with an 0-2 week. Uh, not great for the old bankroll. Uh, I went to the Aussie Rules football well one time too many, and not only did my Geelong Cats not cover as 27.5-point favorites, but they lost the game outright by two points. A good thing I didn't place a bigger bet on the money line instead. Uh, but or that one. Points bet, I think, would have been a rough one. <laughs> yes, points bet would have been really bad. I would have lost by, I guess, 29 and a half, uh, whatever Ouch. multiple of my bet. Yeah, so uh, as it is, the, that one cost us $109. Um, and meanwhile, your PGA hot streak ended with Brandon Grace failing to crack the top 30. So that one took a $100 bite out of our bankroll. So we lost $209 on the week, and we're now up by $218 overall. Uh, also, two futures bets that we can officially void. Yankees under 100.5 wins and Pirates under 71.5 wins. MLB is not playing 162 games, so those bets are returned. That means we have just $550 on hold in futures bets now, and all told, we have $9,659 available to bet with this week, and you're up first, John. Yeah, I mean, Grace was in decent position, only a top 30 finish entering the final round, but he spit the bit on Sunday, and it kind of reminds me of horse players going on a winning streak with top-notch horses, and then they trust a second-tier competitor, and they get burned, so I'm going to 
keep that in mind. Um, so therefore, I'm going to go back to my top 20 and elite player success. Um, PJ Tours in Hartford this week, and uh, I get Justin Rose at 100 to win 125 for a mere top 20. Um, Rose got off to a rough start this year. He recently fired his swing coach of 11 years, and yeah, that made him a hold for me for the first two weeks back. Like that could go either way, but um, he's playing really well, so I think he's got the mojo back and, and I'm comfortable there. He's in good form and. Only a lack of consistent top results in this Hartford tournament previously, you know, gets me this uh, steal of a price, I think. Okay. All right. So you're going with uh, a, a golf pick and going back to what's worked for you. Yeah. I'm going uh, back to boxing. Uh, and uh, it's an interesting week of, of ESPN fights. In Tuesday's main event, Australian junior bantamweight Andrew Maloney made his U.S. debut and lost in an upset in a very good fight against Joshua Franco. In tonight's main event, Maloney's twin brother, Jason, is in action against late replacement opponent Leonardo Baez. And Baez is regarded as being at least as good as, if not better than, the original opponent that he replaced. And I just think that watching your twin brother lose unexpectedly, that has to throw you off your game a little when you're fighting in the main event two days later. I'm not saying Maloney isn't still the favorite. He should win. But the price being offered on Baez, plus 550. I think that's too good to pass up, given the X factor of Maloney trying to fight so soon after his brother's defeat and feeling all this extra pressure. Uh, And, you know, on the other hand, there's no pressure at all on underdog Baez. So at plus 550, I think Baez is worth a flyer for 50 bucks to win us $275 if he pulls off the upset. Uh, I got to say, Eric, uh, you know, on a twin question, I I would have liked to consult here. (laughs) I'm sorry. uh, Well, we have the opportunity now. Let's see if your if your twin brother uh, suffered Mm -hmm. a a, I mean, I I don't know that boxing is quite the right uh, parallel. Uh, I assume you and he both never uh, were serious fighters. But whatever, (laughs) whatever the sport was, if he had suffered a devastating defeat, how long might it rattle you for? Uh, I have to say this. uh, fraternal twins are no more genetically related than any siblings at all. Um, they happen to be the same age, obviously, but right. uh, and identical twins freak me out as both <laughs> Like that's like weird to me. Like like oh we're all twins. Like no, you guys are. I don't know what you guys are. Uh, so we're we're bros. But uh, yeah, no. I, I mean I you know he's great and uh, I would be disappointed if he lost. But uh, I don't give any extra. Uh, credence to oh he's a, my twin as opposed to my sibling so I'm not sure you get 100 percent on that. All right, well I might have I might have followed the same logic even if the, it was just siblings yeah. and not okay. twins. But okay. uh, either either way, I like the price on Baez. We'll we'll see right. if it pays off. If if not, then uh, I will defer to you on all future twin related <laughs> bets. I hope, I hope so. All right, and that will do it for this episode of Gamble On. Thanks to everybody out there for listening, and thanks again to our guest, Dr. Harris Cohen. You can find. Find me on Twitter at Eric Raskin and John at Bergen Brennan and follow US Bets at US underscore bets. Go to usbets.com for all the latest news and analysis from the world of gambling and subscribe to this podcast on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, or Spotify. And with that, John, please take us out. Yeah, Eric, uh, today's sermon is about, I would say, complacency and uh, vigilance uh, combined. Um, for anyone who might have been confused about what I mentioned during the interview uh, today about uh, golfers riding in carts and players uh, you know, without masks and all that, uh, I'm talking about heading over to the practice green, even returning to the clubhouse to sign a scorecard. Uh, obviously, the, you know, the, the caddies are walking uh, uh, during the round. But um, you know, Webb Simpson was last week's winner. Uh, he rode back in his cart with his caddy after the 72nd hole to sign a scorecard. 
uh, no mask. I mean, Simpson is the most modest, well-liked husband and father of five on the tour who doesn't seem like he's ever gotten a jaywalking ticket. He's just a good guy. But he withdrew from the Hartford event this weekend because he said a family member tested positive. So no word yet on his caddy, but, you know, we'll cross our fingers for he and especially his elderly family members to uh, see what happens. I mean, the death toll from CLV ID in 19 in New Jersey is uh, – North of 13,000, most of it in my part of the state. So uh, it, it impacts me a lot more, obviously, the most. Um, it's a pretty American tradition, too, to not want to be told what to do. So that's how we got here in the first place, uh, <laughs> revolutionary-wise. Right. Uh, so forget about what someone else is telling you to do and just decide instead that you want to ensure your own peace of mind and not unknowingly pass this virus on to others. Like, uh, you know, after all, it's, it's the generous gamble on podcast spirit is the way I look at it. And uh, so with that, until next time, everybody, gamble on.